The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. It's definitely an honor. Um, I want to jump right into it. So before we start talking about money, I always like to ask this question. We start off by asking, um, what does it mean to be a man? I mean, I think that there's uh, levels, right, to become a man. Uh, when I was single, right, before I got married to my wife, uh, you know, that was one stage. And then, you know, when I got married, then, you know, my responsibility became different. And then we got to become a dad. You know, me being a man became different. Uh, so, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, being where I'm at now, a married man with two kids, uh, obviously, you know, I have to be the head of my household. Uh, you know, I have to obviously make sure that my, you know, my wife and my two kids ain't homeless. Uh, you know, so, you know, I have to make sure that, you know, that I'm supplying for them. Uh, it's not only that, but I have a responsibility. Uh, you know, so I, I think there's different levels of that. Uh, if anybody wants to touch on any different levels. You know what, man? You know, I grew up uh, with a father, but without a father. So but for me, you know, when I think about a man, I think about a provider, someone who's a provider, um, someone who's able to be there for their family or be there for, you know, another, their spouse or whatever the case may be. But that, that is the thing that comes to mind when I think about what, what a man is. Chris, go ahead. What, 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 what? <laughs> so I think, um, if you look at, um, if we were to like go back in time and you go to the, um, the Eastern um, hemisphere and you were to ask um, individuals what was the definition of a man, um, they would probably say, hey, yo, it's the guy that goes out, that kills animals, gets it ready, prepares it for the wife to cook, one that, pro- that provides, one that uh, protects, one that um, covers his family. And if you come back, you know, to the future, you come to the Western Hemisphere, uh, we might say one thing, but the example of what a man is um, is something completely different because the man is continuously attacked on the daily basis, in particularly in the Western Hemisphere. Um, whether it be, um, I don't want to, I don't want to be controversial here. Oh, but you can know, say what you say, man. This is say what you're gonna say. Um, I think man looks like dominion. So for me, manhood is the practicality of God. We we all know that God is a spirit, but God manifests Himself in something practical that can touch the earth. And so we always teach in our church that there is God's responsibility to deal with the things in the spirit, but it's our responsibility to deal with things in the natural. A lot of times we define manhood by what we do, but it doesn't really answer who we are. And who we are is we are the practicality of God. We're God's answer to this planet. And men have to be protected. We have to be empowered if things are going to get better. And got to be healed. We got to be whole. That's, that's the reality. If, if the God in us is broken, nothing else will work outside of that. I think, I think uh, the ways we promote healthy uh, masculinity is, is exactly kind of what you're doing now. And I'm seeing a lot of it even in the marketplace where we're um, a lot of online social media or online kind of therapy for men are kind of really like dealing with emotions because we know that a lot of men don't like to talk about uh, sensitive things like how they're feeling or how it's making them feel or things like that. But I think 
um, even in the marketplace and healthcare and things like that, we're starting to see a lot more men um, be a lot more open to that. I think that's moving things in the right direction. Me personally, um, I'm intentional because, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of men. Um, so I'm intentional about making sure that I'm surrounding myself with positive men who are uh, doing things that I want to do or that help to embrace me or make me into a whole man, whether that be someone. I'm not a huge basketball or a sports person, but, you know, I dibble and dad and kind of hang with people that do a little bit of that to kind of keep me well-rounded um, just as a man. You know, of course, within my spirit of, you know, uh, things that I like to do, but, you know, I, I'm trying to, I try to be intentional around being around men who are um, in my sphere. So that that's what I do. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm interested to know because you guys, it's not like I'm talking to people who, and no offense to anybody who's watching, who are employees. Like you guys all are CEOs, COOs of your own entities, corporations that are actually making money. And I'm sure people don't get to see, the people who work for you, um, not do they get to see that side of you like how do you how do you create a healthy environment having this power because money like you guys and you guys are doing it so how do you guys balance all of that well modeling and mentoring is the key to developing healthy men men cannot be developed in isolation so anytime you see uh, an environment where men are isolated, destruction is inevitable. I was a police officer. And so when you like a guy up, you wanted to punish him. Well, you put him in solitary confinement. And unfortunately, the church has become a solitary confinement for men because men are not being uh, encouraged to be intentional about relationship building. And so before you get to money and before you get to power, you got to deal with your personal devils. Because the reality is, the more successful you become, the greater the ability to feed those dysfunctions. And so having modeling and mentoring helps you become comfortable in your identity so you're not identified by your money or your position or what car you drive or what coach you got on or what watch you drive. And I mean, it's, it's in this place, you know, because a lot of us, you know, we grew up and we wanted to be wealthy until we became wealthy. And you found out that wealthy people are as crazy as poor people. Yeah, they yeah. push, they push things, and you're sitting here like, how did that come into the conversation, man? I don't care if you got on a Hubla watch or or presidential Rolex, like that don't mean nothing to me. I, I care about you as a person, but a person that's broken will use their accomplishments and their acquisitions, and they'll put that out on front as a barrier to real intimate relationship, and so. Yeah. The rich need more salvation than the poor, if you really want to be honest. And I think some of them will concur. Some of the conversations you have and some of the encounters you have with people at this level, you you wish you had not made any money. You just could have stayed where you was at because these people are nuts. And uh, modeling and mentoring is absolutely necessary. So let's, okay, so let's let's jump into this business. So there's many people who are out here who are aspiring entre entrepreneurs. So question really quick, um, Chris and uh, Victor, what is the difference between an entrepreneur and somebody with a good idea who may be a hustler? <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. I'll let you open up with that one. And uh, you do the alley-oop, I'll slam it in. Go ahead. Do your thing. <laughs> 
right. Um, so um, I teach this in uh, one of my classes. Um, there are two different types of entrepreneurs. Um, and let me say this for the record. Um, I feel like, and, and we all hear men of faith. So I feel like when I pull myself back from like, um, like, so at one point I was a preacher and when I pull myself back from that and entered into a different realm of society, um, I was able to see, um, you have that false doctrine doesn't just exist in the church. False doctrine exists outside of the four walls of the church as well. And a, a lot of times, um, I think that it is um, a, gr a, um, a great deception that is going around that tells everybody, hey, you, um, in order for you to be successful, you have to be an entrepreneur. And that's not the case. When you look at it, um, you have individuals who are doctors, who work for people who are multimillionaires. Um, you have individuals who are judges that I, I personally know lawyers who may never um, become entrepreneurs um, that work for people and, and they're multimillionaires. Now, on the flip side of that is you got two types of um, entrepreneurs. You got the full-time entrepreneur and you got a part-time entrepreneur. The full-time entrepreneur is the individual that's his his um his his day to day assignment. He does this forty hours a week or what high forty, sixty, eighty hours a week. That's his job. That's how he makes money full time. If he doesn't do this, he doesn't make any money. Then you have the part time entrepreneur. This is an individual that might be, you know what I'm saying, the judge or that I mentioned, or might be a doctor, or it might be a McDonald's employee that might not have the capability to be a full time entrepreneur. Um, but they are, they have the, what you call like the little side hustles or whatnot that makes up the multiple streams. Now, I don't believe that everybody is a full-time entrepreneur or has the ability to be a full-time entrepreneur, but I do believe that everybody should be a part-time entrepreneur and have multiple streams. Cause what happens is when one stream goes down, which is usually the mainstream, which is the, the job, then, um, you should have something else that should be able to hold you outside of your savings in the event um, of something like that happening. So that's just my little take on it. No, I totally agree. I totally agree with what Chris said. I mean, you have your full-time entrepreneur, you have your part-time entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, how I started was part-time, you know, just part-time. Uh, you know, I was trying to go to school, but then, you know, school really, really wasn't for me. So then I started working with my dad. And then, I mean, I saw... I saw because my dad was an architect and he did his thing, you know, nine to five in an office. I just couldn't be in an office. You know, I had to be out talking to people, you know, doing my thing. So then that's the reason why we took that business to another level, you know, and we started, you know, uh, at first we started doing uh, gut rehab for other people. Uh, we started doing fire restoration. And then we said, you know what, we're going to start building homes for ourselves. And so we just started building homes. For us, we would buy an empty lot or buy a small house, knock it down, build a brand new house there and sell it. But we would only build for ourselves. So even to right now, somebody would call us. We don't build for anybody else. You know, we only build for ourselves. And so what Chris was saying with the part-time entrepreneur, I see a lot of people like that. My next door neighbor, right, he's a brain surgeon. And so, you know, the dude, he's making money. But at the same time, you know, he invests with me sometimes, you know, to buy houses, flip it. Uh, you know, so, you know, he got a little side thing going on. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely believe what Chris is saying. That was right on. 
Anybody yeah, else? I think another important yeah. thing to say too is that um, the one of the lessons I learned for for my life personally is that to everybody, if you're you have to learn how to be the CEO or entrepreneur of your own life. You really have to understand that you have to learn how to brand yourself, market yourself. Like David talked about that credit, you got to learn how to have good credit to get into different avenues. And, and mostly when you think about entrepreneur, they think about, I've got to own this multi-million dollar or this big corporation, but you really are, you know, the CEO or entrepreneur of your own life. And you've got to learn, no matter if you're the janitor uh, or you know, you're mopping floors at Burger King, you got to learn how to sell yourself. You got to learn how to really market yourself. So I think when men learn how to be entrepreneurs or the CEO of their life, they will, they will definitely flourish. All right. So and let me throw this in there too. Entrepreneurship means work. Yeah. Doesn't mean <laughs> that you sit around the house all day and lunch <laughs> just close into the <laughs> I don't know. Chris was just kissing his dog. I don't know. Chris Chris just looked like he was killing all day. I'm an entrepreneur. This is the commitment you have to make. I'd rather work 160 hours a week for me than 40 hours for somebody else. 100%. And if you're not willing to say that, you may have a great idea, you may want to spend money and be on the yachts, you're not an entrepreneur, my friend, until you're willing to put the work in to build your own life like you put in for somebody else's life. And you have to do it more because, like Chris was saying earlier, you kill what you eat. If I don't sell real estate, I don't eat. Yeah. I, don't sell yeah. I don't eat. So if, yeah. you're not, if you're not wired for that kind of daily pressure, of getting up at six and going to sleep at two, stay at your job. Don't don't come That's over it. here and, and you're lazy because you're going to die if you do. Now, I, I'll tell you this. Um, I, so literally two years ago, um, around this time, I was sleeping in the car in South Florida and I was working. I barely was making enough to um, support myself, but I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And... I, I told a class this, I, I had a class in Atlanta last month and I told them, I said, what you do when it comes to entrepreneurship is you use where you was to fuel you to where you want to go. So I, because I was homeless and I had days where I didn't even know what I was going to eat. I used that as fuel to um, fuel me for those sleepless nights, David, you know, those nights where um, I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I say, yo, I'm not going broke again. Nah, I'm going to push <laughs> and I'm going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? So you, it's about using that fuel. And you got some people, they actually have the gift of entrepreneurship. They just ha lack the work ethic. And I told somebody this as well. I said, if I worked at McDonald's and I made $2,000 a month, watch this. I made $2,000 a month and I won the lotto for a million dollars. I would stay at my job. This is Chris now speaking. Three years ago, I would I would have quit. Yep. The reason being is one, you need cash flow. If you're used to two thousand dollars a month, most ninety nine percent of Americans that work at McDonald's, I'm just using this example, that won a million dollars, they would quit. But what happens is, if you used to making two thousand dollars a month and you come into a big, large amount of money, let's say a million dollars. Nine, ten times out of ten, you're not going to know how to handle that uh, uh, that one million dollars. You're going to be a horrible steward over that. 
So what I would do in a situation like that is I would keep my job um, for cash flow. When I first opened my um, Subway store um, about five months ago or whatever, the one thing that happened to me was um, I raised just an, um, I had just enough for my store, but I, I, I had to use my personal money for cash flow to front me for the first like month or two or whatnot that I had to store. Cash flow when it comes to entrepreneurship is very important. And you, um, David and all the other entrepreneurs can probably relate to this. When it comes to that, you have to, um, everything has to be precise. And when it comes to business, you, you cannot, you have very room or very little room for error as it pertains to finances, which is why it's required of you to put in that hard work or whatnot to ensure that, um, that, uh, the, uh, what am I trying to say? It's, that's why it's, it's important and imperative for you. Um, when you are an entrepreneur to make sure that you put in the hard work so you can cover all your bases. Cause when you first start, you're going to be your HR director. When you first start, you're going to be the individual that's going to be the GM of whatever store you start. You, you're going to be doing the hiring. You're going to be doing the firing. You're going to be doing your maintenance. That was how it was with me. Now I have people that run my store but I had to do everything. My staff quit on me the first week that um, I bought it from a previous owner, had an all white staff. I was the only black person that was at the store and they quit on me the first week. For the first, the first three, four, five days, I was making sandwiches by myself, wow. but it comes with um, a price entrepreneurship, but it is worth the reward at the end. So that was it. So you guys are talking about, and I, I appreciate that, Chris, what do you say to the guy or to the person who's watching this? And let's say they are entrepreneurs. They have, they, you know, they have the idea, they have the hustle. It's just not working for them right now. You know, um, they, books. Ignorance is one of the main reasons why people go bankrupt because they think that they're doing their passion is automatically going to translate into wealth. You have to read, you got to understand how a business operates. And that's where a lot of people miss it. They get a product or they get a service and they're trying to push it out. They don't even understand the market. They've read no books. They don't understand that realm. I tell people all the time when I'm training people in business, earners are learners. If you are allergic to books, you are allergic to money. You got to study. You got to go somewhere and you got to get with somebody and you got to make yourself available to learn. Because if you don't, it's going to crash and burn on you. What about you? What about, what about you, Victor? Yeah, no, I mean, exactly what they're saying is, is spot on. I mean, you know, what you said is that, you know, what about the entrepreneur, you know, that it's just not working right now? Well, first thing I would do is, you know, I would assess, you know, what are you working towards? I mean, my man, Chris, I mean, he opened up a, you know, uh, a subway, you know, that's one of my goals is to open a subway. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's the reason why, you know, I'm quiet, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at like, okay, cool. I'm, like, right, I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. I hear you, bro. You know what I mean? So for me, so for me, you know, I'm like, my boy opens the subway. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me learn a little bit. Right here, I thought I'll be talking a lot, but I got my boy Chris that owns the subway. I got my boy David that gives away homes. Me, hello, that's what I want to do. And I got my boy Lamont over here that's in the senior living. Bro, that's what I've been wanting to do for five years. So hey, I'm gonna do it right now. I'm trying to learn this. This looks awesome. But like you said, Rob, 
uh, for the entrepreneurs that are like, man, you know, it's just not working right now. I mean, I saw a picture, right? Uh, and I'm pretty sure you guys saw this picture before. It's like a little cartoon. And the dude's like, uh, you know, they're like, like chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then and like one dude, like he like chipped a little bit and gave up. Second one, right? You know, he chipped way too fast, gave up. Last one, slow but steady. Chipped away and then, you know, they ended up getting the prize. Uh, something that I see with our generation, I'm 30 years old. Something that I see with my generation is that they want to reap, but they don't want to sow. Yes. They want, you know what I'm saying? They want, they want all the, you know, the kissing the dog, you know what I'm saying? Have enough money to kiss your dog. You know what I'm saying? They want, you know what I'm saying? They want, you know what I'm saying? They want everything. I'm, I'm telling you, they, even people in my family, they want everything. You know what I'm saying? And then like, they look at you, right? You know, and they see Chris, you know, young, my boy, David's young, Lamont young, you know, Robert young. They see all of us that we're young, you know, and we're making it happen. And they're like, oh, you know what? I want that. And that got to be easy because, hey, if it could do it, I could do it. But what they don't remember is that in the night times, you know what I'm saying? Even before I got married, oh, I was working hard. When I first started my landscape company, I was cutting grass myself. Now, I'm Puerto Rican. We really don't cut grass. You know what I'm saying? We just don't. You know what I'm saying? We're not in the, we're not in the landscaping thing. But how I started my landscape company is because I took advantage of an opportunity. One of my guys, one of my friends, he worked for CPS. And he said, Vic, we need a landscaper. I said, well, God bless your ministry, but I build homes. I don't do landscaping. He said, Vic, this is how much they pay. I said, is that per, per month, per year? He said, no, no, that's every time you go out. I said, but you ain't got to send him but a word. I started a landscape company the next day. <laughs> I used what was around me, which are my unemployed cousins, hired them. We all started cutting grass. None of us knew how to cut grass. What happened, it started to grow from five schools. I got 10 schools. 10 schools to 20 schools. Once I hit 20 schools, I said, that's cool. I'm hiring some real guys that know how to cut grass. So then fired all my cousins, hired real people to cut grass. <laughs> we went from 20 schools, 69 schools. Wow. That's just CPS. Then we started cutting all the armories. Then we got into snow removal. Now, snow removal, that's why I go. I mean, you make more money moving snow than you do cutting grass. So then from there, I used that opportunity, right? Look, that I opportunity. see the bells in Chris' head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I used hey, I used that opportunity, right? The revenue that I was making from that opportunity, we used that to start other things like the, like the daycare. Now, the daycare, that was all self-funded. I mean, I didn't get a grant or anything like that to start a daycare. You know, so then I started with that money. So I think that if you want to be an entrepreneur, use the current circumstance that you're in now. You know, like, for example, Chris, right? You know, the subway. Now, my boy started up here. But Chris can use that subway, right? That revenue from that subway, you know, to fund, if you wanted to get into real estate, to fund real estate, right? He can okay. use that subway, obviously, to open another subway. Uh, you know, so I think that when it comes to entrepreneur, uh, back to your original question, Rob, if it's not working right now, give it some time. But you have to give it a certain timetable. You know, you just can't work on this thing forever. You, know, you have to give it a certain timetable and say, man, you know what? If this is not working, then, you know, I'm going to do something else. A personal testimony, and, and I'll be done with this. No, go ahead. When I... When I opened the daycare, I gave it five months. My mortgage was $6,000 a month Jesus. for an empty building. And I only had three kids there. And Robert Marshall's kids weren't there yet. So, then, you, know, I only, you know, I only had three little kids there, $6,000 a month. I looked at my wife. I said, listen, we're going to let this ride for five months. If this thing doesn't pick up in five months, we're done. Because, you know, I thought that God put it in my heart. 
I felt like God really put that in my heart. But I said, man, babe, if this thing ain't working in the next five months, we're out of here. So I'll turn that into, I'll turn that into a marijuana dispensary. We out of here. <laughs> we're done. And what happened? The Lord picked it up. I got 53 kids in there now. 53 kids in there now. From three kids. And I don't even open seven, eight months. So, I mean, you know, you give it a timetable. You give it a timetable. And if it's not going to work good. within a certain timetable, then maybe you're in the wrong business. But I, I, you can't, you know what I'm saying? But you can't lose hope. Go ahead, Chris. You can't lose hope. No, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was going to add on to that. Um, there's two things that, that I was thinking about while he was talking. The first thing is I hear a lot of people, it's another misconception that people say is, hey, find something that you're passionate about. And I'm a, anybody that knows me knows I eat out every day. I don't, I'm not known for making sandwiches. <laughs> I like my so kids. I, I like my two kids. Yeah, not a day yeah. You know what I'm saying? Come on. <laughs> you find, you don't find what you're passionate about. You find a problem and you solve it. Mm. That's how you make your money. That's how Bill Gates became a billionaire. That's how Steve Jobs became. They saw an issue. They came up with a solution. It didn't mean that they were passionate about making computers. Maybe they became passionate about it, but they were passionate about solving problems. That's what entrepreneurs are. They are problem solvers. That's it. Yep. Yep. And the second thing, um, I lost my thought now, but the second thing that um, I would add um, to um, every everybody um, or to the individuals that are listening is... Um, I'd like what he said about the time frame, but you sometimes you have to learn how to pivot. Sometimes if you have a plan A, doesn't mean that that thing that you're trying to do is not what you're supposed to. Um, it, it's not what you're supposed to be doing. It just means that you just need to re-strategize. I don't forget this pastor told me, he said, yo, I got a vision for my church. He got a mega church. He said, I got a vision for my church. But he said, every now and again, I'll go in and tweak my vision. And then um, for another thing, I got business plans. I got a business plan that I strategized for my subway that I did for another startup that I started last year. And even though it looked one way when I started it and presented it to investors, doesn't mean that a year or two later, it's going to look the same. You have to adapt with the times and you have to do extreme market research, market analysis. And that's one of the things that a lot of people fail at. They construct and they present their business or their brand in a way that they feel like it should be presented and not in a way that their um, clientele expects it. Like, for example, let me give you this. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I got more for this. So. When it comes to um, building, like building a business plan, you got your market analysis. I tell people this: when it comes to a market analysis, that is the one of the most important parts of your business plan. And what I mean by that is, whenever somebody kills somebody, and you have a witness and you have a suspect, and the suspect cannot be traced, what they do is they take the sus the um the witness that witnessed the murder, they take it to the police station, they ask for questioning, and then they will pair that individual up with someone who um, is a, um, a, a artist. So the job of the artist is to um, draw up 
whatever <laughs> the witness describes the suspect as being or looking like. So, for example, we use David. If they say, hey, yo, um, he has a scarf on and he has a vest and a regular shirt, then the artist is going to draw that. If he says, hey, yo, he's um, he's African-American, he has low-cut hair, he has a, a goatee at the bottom with a, a mustache with a handle that connects, then their job is to do that. It's the same thing with business. What's going to make you successful is um, uh, finding out to the T exactly what your clientele is. So, for example, my clientele, I know the people that I'm uh, 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 in, uh, targeting are hip-hop millennials. These individuals are going to be from the ages of 18 to 35. They're going to be African-Americans. They're going to be individuals that grew up in low family income areas. These are individuals are going to um, have college degrees on down to high school dropouts. Um, they're going to be um, between um, the heights of a uh, 5'4 up to a uh, 6'4. When you present to investors, and this is just extra information, they look for information that's as um, detailed as what I gave you guys. Um, down to the area, the demographics of the zip code that you're in, you should be able to describe that. So it's very important that you know your market, one, and two, that you become a problem solver to the thing um, that you're trying to do. So that's it. Sure. So that's, man, y'all, that's good stuff. I feel like this is the, out of all the webinars, I've talked the less and the least in this one. Um, so how important is is credit when you're trying to start a business launch a business how do you build business credit to kind of continue to build what you have david david why don't you kind of so if you're going to be in business you have to master business which means you have to master your numbers and again if you're if you're ignorant about business credit and how it works how you build it uh you know, 30 net leases and vendors and, and all of that kind of stuff, you're going to be handicapping yourself trying to fund things through your own personal credit and your own personal funding. So again, um, I want to really encourage people to read, learn, study, uh, try to find a mentor to get under so that you can learn these things that are just not readily available. You're not going to go to school and learn this stuff. They don't, they don't have it in the curriculum in high school most colleges, the people that teach economics have never run a business. I mean, imagine my shock and dismay when I'm in Concordia River Forest learning economics and learn the guy never owned a business. Like, how am I going to learn economics from you? You never ran a business. So these are things that you got to really be aware of. Don't go to these real estate webinars, the seminars that are selling you CDs for $2,000 and telling you you can buy a million dollars worth of real estate with no money and no credit overnight. They're lying. Credit is extremely important. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than silver or gold. So paying your bills on time, being under your credit utilization, 30%, all of that is vital to your survival as, as an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is in seasons. It's not every year you just killing. There's times when y'all elected George Bush as president, I mean, I couldn't sell water to a guy in the desert. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing just imploded. I went from making $400,000 a year part-time selling property to police to I couldn't make a dollar. And I had to survive that Holocaust 
to get back on and then to re-engineer <coughs> what I do now because the way I do real estate now is completely different than the way I did it in 2005 and 2006. Even though it was successful then, it doesn't fit the current economic environment now. And credit is critical. So you need to study it and you need to invest in it so that you can benefit from it. I, I, I think um, I, I'm going to add to that. So um, I didn't realize how important um, credit was until after I tried to get a loan and I got denied for it because my credit sucked or whatnot. Um, so I, I want to talk to the individuals who have bad credit, who credit sucks, like what mine was when I first thought about doing the subway thing. I knew that um, because I had bad credit, there were, um, I had, my options were limited. You have two options when it comes to business. Um, you have debt financing and then you have equity financing. Debt financing is when you have good credit um, and you go apply for a loan and in exchange for an interest on that money, the lender or the institution gives you money in exchange for um, interest towards your business. And now you've just acquired oh uh, capital through debt financing. Then you have what is called equity financing. Equity financing is where you have acquired capital for your business, but in exchange for equity within your business. So I knew that because my credit was rough at that particular time, now I'm, I'm, I'm 700 plus. But at that particular time, I knew that I had to raise the money. So if you don't have good credit, there is ways around it while you're in the process of building it, and that is to raise it. But it is important for you to have good credit. Um, one, two, um, I told somebody this last year, even if you don't have a business idea, it's important that you should go and just start a business. And what I mean by that is, I mean, go and incorporate a name and file taxes on it because most banks are going to require you to have two years worth of tax returns on a, a, a business before they even consider looking at your uh, profile. So even if you don't know what you want to do or how you want to do it, you still go get an EIN number through the IRS, which is free. And then go um, incorporate which whatever state that you plan on doing, which you should consult with your accountant and file taxes for two years. And then um, hopefully by then something should be able to come to you. That's just a little trick. That's love. Let me I, just, I'm gonna uh, Chris, that is a slick move. I've never heard of that before. That's a slick <laughs> move, bro. <laughs> with the, get our EIN number, two years of credit. Yeah. Dude, that left me. Wow, that was awful. I want to piggyback too on Chris um, because I'm one that always had kind of medium kind of credit here off there, a little bit kind of things like that. But but in my situation, um, I, I was the same way. My, you know, I knew I wanted to step into, you know, this facility, which was, you know, $1.2 million. And I knew that I needed to do it. I knew that God had called me to do it. So what I did was the equitable thing. I said, hey, look, let me raise this money. Uh, I'm the expert. Here's my business plan. Just like Chris said, it was laid out. I had my marketing strategy, my financials for the next five years. You know, I had my executive summary. I had a business plan that was 87 pages. I sat down, I wrote the vision out. And so when I went to talk to people, I knew what I was talking about and people bought into my vision 
and I didn't have to put a dollar dime down, not one penny that I have to put into the business. I, and I still own majority, uh, majority, way majority of my company and I didn't have to put anything down. And that's the way, and I learned that when I was in Chicago from, and you guys probably know, or if you don't know, that the Jewish community in Chicago owns 90% of the nursing homes, 90% of the nursing homes. The average nursing home is probably making two to $4 million a year. They get together, they pull their money together. Jojo got 3%, he got 5%, he got 20. They all put their money together into one home and they all own it under an LLC and they making money. So I said, why not? And that's the same thing I did. So credit is important. You know, mine is way better than what it used to be. Um, and, but it certainly should not, if you're an entrepreneur and you're saying this isn't working or you're looking at a way to get into something, don't never let that be a deter, uh, to deter you from starting your business because there are ways around it. So, but it's important. Y'all are killing. I have two more questions um, that I want to kind of get out. What do you know now that costs you to learn about money? When you say costs you to learn, what do you mean? What, what do you know now that costs you to learn about money? So um, what is a lesson that you learned um, being in business that cost you something? It cost you money. I, Chris, I mean, money. Uh, Chris hit on it when he talked about, you know, that credit, when we talk about even the credit, like not having those credit scores or not being able to qualify, it causes you to miss opportunities that you're like, I know I could have killed it in this game or I know I could have took for me. You know, I'm using, for example, I, I know I could have gotten this real estate opportunity or I know I could have took over this home and it could have killed it in the game. But because I wasn't properly educated or I didn't have that credit score because I wasn't able to get financing, you know, if you were going the traditional route, it, it costs you to miss opportunities. And especially when you're a man, it kills your spirit. And then also when you're a business person, you're like, man, I just, I miss a million dollars or I missed $300,000 because nobody ever taught me that pay your bills on time, keep your, keep your credit utilization down low, you know, and you miss it. So I think for me, that was the biggest thing is like, just learning that credit mastery. It is, it, it is key. It's not the one, the only thing, but it is key. I think what David said was, uh... Uh, it's lack of knowledge. If you don't know, you're not going to be able to go, you know, to that next level. And, you know, as a minority, right, as a Hispanic, uh, there's a lot of things that, that we don't know. Like, you know, I didn't know that, uh, well, shoot, now I didn't know that you can do two years and build your credit. I mean, now, you know what I'm saying? I learned that. But when I was 16, when I was 16, my dad took out a secured credit card, right, for me. So, you know, it was like $200, it was like Fifth Third Bank, whatever. Um, and he would tell me, you have $200 a month. That's after I got my first job. You got $200 a month to spend and you have to pay it back. So basically I borrowed against myself and that built my credit. And, you know, there's a lot of knowledge that, you know, like me growing up in a humble park, um, just a lot of stuff that I didn't know, uh, you know, that would give me financial freedom. Now that I live in Winneka, I mean, there's so much more things that my daughter's starting to learn now, and she's only five, you know, about business, you know, and uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a lack of knowledge. Uh, if, if I was asked the question, uh, you know, what did you pay for in business was a lack of knowledge. 
timing, so many missed opportunities because I didn't know. So I think that, like what David said... The I Am Man Podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.